<laughs> All right, hello and welcome to uh, Expectation versus Reality. This is the pilot episode for what we're doing here. Uh, I'm Nate. I'm Tanner. And uh, basically the way this is going to work is that we go out and we find a movie trailer for a movie that neither of us have seen. And we pick one trailer from that movie. We watch it and then see what movie we can write as a synopsis based on that single trailer. Whether it gives us a lot, whether it gives us a little, whether we watch the trailer and pick up on certain things yeah. that maybe the movie doesn't focus on. Yeah, so we'll try and dissect the trailer a little bit and then get to our own stories and figure out how close we get at the end of it to the movie after we watch it, after we watch the trailer. So today we are doing uh, Boots Riley's first film, Sorry to Bother You. Yeah, as soon as I saw this trailer for the first time, uh, what movie were we in? It was in Deadpool, wasn't it? Yeah, I want to say it was in Deadpool 2 whenever we saw it, and it yeah. was really weird and something I definitely wanted to see. Yeah, the one that we saw in the, tra in, the movie, in the movie Deadpool was different because it was a red band trailer, and the one that we're doing today was the green band from YouTube. Yep. So it was a little bit more plot-heavy and a little bit less on the comedy, but uh, I guess we'll get into it as we go, but it, it's, just, it's, it's really neat because they mix in acting with voice acting at the same time, and that's... that's that's really why I wanted to do it, because it seemed really interesting. Yeah, and I think that the, the interesting thing for me in all of this is whenever we saw it, it reminded me a lot of whenever I saw, I believe it was Cloverfield in 2008. They showed the trailer for the movie In Bruges, uh, Martin okay, McDonough's yeah. In Bruges, mm -hmm. which is always jockeys for my favorite movie of all time. And I'm and watching that sort of mix of drama and really bizarre comedy with a really unique premise then gave me the same feeling I felt whenever I watched the trailer for Sorry to Bother You. Yeah. Whenever we saw Deadpool. Yeah, because the trailer made me really uncomfortable at certain parts. And then other parts, it made me, like, really laugh uncontrollably. And, I mean, you know how I get whenever I, whenever I get in public and I find something really <laughs> funny. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, well, and I mean, I'm a huge fan of uh, David Cross's acting work. So uh, whenever his voice came out as the, you know, the, the white voice, yeah. it would just, <laughs> oh, I died. Voice. I died. <laughs> um, yeah, so a little bit more about this particular movie. It stars Lakeith Stanfield and Tessa Thompson, who are two of my favorite actors working right now. Right. I love Tessa Thompson in Thor Ragnarok and in mm. Westworld. She was fantastic in Annihilation, which I think was a grossly underrated film yes, this year. Yes, Annihilation was a fantastic film. And Lakeith Stanfield was very good in Get Out. Yes. And the only watchable part of the Death Note movie. <laughs> also, if anybody's listening, uh, he definitely should play Superman before Michael B. Jordan does. <laughs> I, I firmly believe that the second they started talking about, oh, yeah, we want to do a black Superman movie. We want to do a well-done Superman. I, I, think that, I think that if you're going to go that direction, Lakeith Stanfield's the way to go. Yeah. He's fantastic. He's charming. And he's seems like someone that would immediately put you at ease yeah. if he was rescuing you from a burning building. And if we're going to go into that, I, you know, I, I would really like to finally see a superhero movie where somebody is, doesn't really look like a superhero, like Spider-Man. You know, like just a regular person for the, for the most part. I mean, they might be a little bit more toned than, than regular people, but I'm so sick and tired of seeing these big, you know, buff dudes trying to always play yeah, these the, superheroes. The but Rob, that's not what we're here to The Rob Liefeld characters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, like we said, we're going to include the trailer that we watched in the comments so you can watch it too to sort of see what we're working off of. Yes. Because I think that's important for context because you might have watched a different trailer 
and go, oh, well, why didn't they pick up on the fact that a giant robot shows up halfway through yeah. the trailer? <laughs> and we're like, that's not the trailer that we that's saw. Not, so that's not, not anything like what we saw. Yeah, yeah That's not a twist that we're going to be putting <laughs> in this movie. So without further ado, Tanner, would you like to read your synopsis and then I'll read mine and then we will adjourn for this episode, go watch the movie and then come back. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. So uh, today, while we're talking about Sorry to Bother You, it's at first glance, it appears to be a comedy, but as the trailer goes on, it seems to be sending a message, a really much deeper message. So let's set the scene with the trailer first, just because that's what I like to do. Well, if you play it backwards, it tells you to vote Democrat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's these two young kids, well, they're not really kids, young adults, living in a very small room trying to figure out how to make money and what to do with their lives. As things start to get romantic and things start to get a little bit unclothed, the wall at the far the end of the room just moves up into the ceiling, letting the audience know that they've been living in a garage. Our main character has an argument with his landlord about the money, and the audience is set up for the first joke of the trailer, which I like Terry Crews. Yeah. So it was pretty funny. Our main character finds a job at a call center selling things as a telemarketer. He's finding it very hard to do his job being an African-American man, trying to sell things to white people over the phone during dinner hours. Yeah, because you, know, you, you sound... You sound black. Yeah. You know, it's... it's yeah. We're, we're, we're tackling some of the ingrained racism, which I find really, really funny. Yeah, it's really funny. With that being said, it leads us into the next part of the trailer whenever... Uh, who's, that, who's that older actor that oh, plays? Oh, it's Danny Glover. Danny Glover, yeah. He, uh, he plays his, his co-worker that gives him this excellent bit of advice, how you have to use your, quote, white people voice, unquote. So he goes from having a really deep, sultry voice to having this, hey, guys, how you doing today? I might, I'm here to sell you this and this and this. <laughs> and it's really funny. And then it just keeps on going on and on and on. He starts making a success for himself, and he starts doing his own thing in the trailer, and then things start to be weird. And then it, it leaves off with him having to make some kind of choice. But now that I've opened up a little bit of the trailer, I kind of want to talk about my synopsis for it. Yeah, I'd like to point out one thing that I think that, for me, sets this apart from a movie that I'm going to reference later, or just any work by like maybe like Spike Lee or similar movies about the African-American experience in 21st century where it almost seems to be like taking the piss with Cassius's uh, or Cassius rather his sort of self-righteous liberal aggrandizing whenever he's yes. talking to his uncle <laughs> and you know it's just like oh you're trying to keep keep me down and everything it's like no it's like you and you and your family are the, are the reason why everything's bad and he's like dude you are my family <laughs> I think that's it's, yeah. it's a fun piss take and I, it, I can really tell good. this movie clearly understands what it's trying to say but it, under, but it also is letting the weirder parts of that exist and not just pretending they don't exist. Yeah, it acknowledges it, and it, it acknowledges it, it brings it forward, and it doesn't put it down. So yeah, just to back up what you said, it's exactly, it's exactly how I feel about it. That's why I wanted to see this. So I'm, I'll go ahead and give my part of the plot. Yes, please. And uh, we'll see, we'll see what, how yours stacks up next to it. Right on. So we have a young man who's having money trouble who finds a job at a telemarketer's call center and through the help of his co-worker does very well in his field. He starts to move up in the world, moves out of the garage that he's been sleeping in and starts to wear nicer clothes and have nicer things. And at first everybody thinks it's a good thing. Everybody's on board with this. Everybody's cool because they don't have to live paycheck to paycheck anymore. But as the movie goes on, we start to see that this is an issue because the way that the employees are treated beneath him. His girlfriend especially has an issue with this. I didn't catch her name in the trailer. I don't even know if it was said. But his girlfriend especially has an issue because she can't, she seems to find a problem with the way things have been going. And there's a moral dilemma there regardless of the excess of money because she doesn't agree with the way that people are being treated. 
Yeah, clearly, like, this company he's working for is doing something sketchy. Yes. And that's very obvious from the trailer. What, what do you think that sketchy thing is? I'm thinking that they're making a lot more money than what they're leading on to their lower employees, or they're selling a product that is mislabeled or completely illegal through these telemarketers. Right on. And they're making all of the profits off it. So as people start to realize that, the people at the bottom are getting sick and tired of being used as a stepping stone. Mm-hmm. And with all of that going on, people start to disagree and start to fight back. Civil unrest might occur, you know, people, there might be, you know, picket lines, et cetera. I don't know if they have a union, I doubt it, but there might be, you know, people out front saying, no, don't, don't do this, don't do this, you need to quit doing this. And then we're left with the main character having a very large amount of money at the end of it, per, like given to him in a very funny way. I guess in the trailer, if you wanted to watch it with us, you know, he's presented with this huge amount of money on a piece of paper written like it's a check, but it's on like a piece of notebook paper. And they were just like, you know, hey, have a look at this. And I really think that what we're going to find here in the whole of the film is that it's going to go from hope and optimism to just a weird moral and ethical dilemma here. And that's, that's kind of what I'm excited to see how they're going to do it and still be funny at the same time, if it can be. See, that's really interesting because sort of the thing I was hoping for to get out of this podcast is sort of see what, we, what prejudices we go into a movie with, yeah. what expectations we form based on a single trailer. And my take on the movie is different, but, I mean, like, it still follows the same beats and everything that you, right. that you yeah, put you forward. Right, yeah, you hit the big, the big points. But yeah. mine, I mean, I have a note on here that basically my version of this movie is a socially conscious Wolf of Wall Street, but with some, like, black Klansmen thrown in. Yeah, yeah. I had a good friend of mine completely, completely throw black Klansmen under the bus, and we won't get to that here, but it was just, yeah. So I have mixed emotions about that film. It was a good film, but I have mixed emotions about the story. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I mean, I understand it's very good. It has Adam Driver, and I'll watch anything with Adam Driver at this point. Yeah. So I'll probably end up watching it, but I missed it in theaters. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. So... Are you, is that all your thoughts, Tanner? Yeah, that's that's pretty much me, yeah. Okay, so mine's a little bit more of a narrative flow in, in my synopsis on it. Yeah. So I'll probably hit some different points. Nate and is a much better writer than I am. I mean, so. I mean, you. <laughs> I mean, I've just been doing it a lot more, I think, than you have. And I think that with the stuff that you've been doing, with like our weekly Dungeons & Dragons game and stuff yeah. like that, mm-hmm. I think that watching you progress... From where you were like a year ago, whenever you first attempted to lead the game versus yeah, now, it's fun. <laughs> it's really, I mean, it's always yeah. it was always fun, but seeing you progress is, is really really exciting. So, uh, without further ado, this is uh, Nate's version of "Sorry to Bother You." So, Cassius is more or less a deadbeat living in his uncle's garage. Uh, routinely, this is with his girlfriend Tessa Thompson, who is only slightly less out of work. Uh, she spins a sign for a pawn shop, and she's also an aspiring fashionista and model. Socially, he's finding himself waning and sort of a passive observer to his own life of, you know, house parties and nights out. After a long string of failed job attempts, he finally lands a job at a telemarketing firm called Regal View. Regal View, yeah. On his first day, he's shown a cubicle, uh, given a script, and he's just kind of set loose. No training, just here's your seat, here's your script, use that. He makes a call and attempts to be as professional as he can, but he's hung up on. The old man in the cubicle next to him laughs and introduces himself as Ganny's lover. <laughs> I love this bit. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> I, okay, so I wrote this as Ganny Glover because I thought it'd be funny, but the D L bl 
is so disgusting coming out of my mouth. I hate it. I was like, oh, I'll flip him around. It's funny. And then I was going to make a joke about how I did that with Tessa Thompson. But... <laughs> oh, just, just shit all over my own joke. Oh, man. Um, anyway, so he explains how he learned a long time ago to use his, quote, white voice if he wants to get anywhere. And he demonstrates. The call is successful. And Cassius tries it and finds that he's kind of a natural with it. So he's doing a lot, he's doing a lot with this. He's selling a lot. He's, making, he's starting to make a lot of money on commission. And so he's able to buy a house for him and his girlfriend, and he continues to break sales records on a regular basis. His, super, his supervisor referring to him as a power caller, which is so corporate and gross. Yeah, and that really, that, oh, that made my skin kind of... Yeah, um, but I think it's really good for theming, so I yes, like it. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so he's making more and more money, and he's starting to host the parties that he used to just go to, and he's flaunting his new success. Tessa Thompson's able to quit her job and focus on modeling and fashion design, mostly on his bankroll. Right. So he's offered a job at the upper floor sales department selling something. No one knows for sure, but whispers say everything from drugs to slave labor to political appointments. He speaks with the department head who offers him a ludicrous amount of money to join the upper level sales group. This is not the scene from later. Yes, yes. But this is, yes. this is an earlier scene where he's like, yeah, we're going to move you up to an apartment. You're going to be selling different stuff, but you're going to be making a lot more money doing it. The salary makes him immediately forget any like trepidation or worries he has that, what am I selling? He doesn't right. care at this point. He's, he's seeing the money. Huge number. He's starting to live a, a much better life than he had, and he can just keep going more and more wild with it and being able to flaunt what he didn't have before. Yes. So on his first day on the job, Cassius is amazed at the decadence and wealth on display in his new office. He sits in his new office, and his department head greets him and finally tells him what they sell upstairs. The department is contracted by the U.S. government to sell used and excess military equipment to domestic police forces. Wow. He does this. He, he sells this very, very well. Yeah. He's still, he's going, and he's making record sales even here. Uh, so his work life is soaring. His personal life is nothing but wild parties, sex, drugs, rock and roll, up until riots begin to break out following acts of police violence in the city. Cassius feels slightly responsible, but he's, like, he's continuing his work. Yeah. You know, it's, he's like, oh, this is bad, but also just kind of moving forward with it. It's definitely an ethical issue for him, but he's not going to stop just because bad things are happening. Yeah, he's already like, he's already obsessed with it. Yeah, he's already drank Kool-Aid. Yeah. Or Flavor-Aid. Flavor-Aid. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's just be all kinds of correct here. <laughs> um, so finally, it, it's weighing on him, and he decides to tell Tess Thompson uh, what he's been selling, and they have a fight. Uh, she leaves him, saying that she can't be a part of what he's doing, yeah. and starts joining the protests. So the word of what's being sold at the upper levels of the company gets out through her, and the protests move from, you know, sort of like the middle of the city to the outside of the building where he works. The police have to escort him into the building in sort of a weird, like, backwards version. I imagine uh, the whenever the first African-American children were allowed to go to white yeah, schools. I imagine this yeah. is, I would imagine parallels are going to be drawn here yeah, there's, in yeah. sort of like a weird, twisted, kind of horrifying way. So uh, the police escort him into the building, but he's wounded in the process. Somebody throws something at him and causes him to like, his head, his head breaks open, he's bleeding. Yeah. So he meets with the CEO who's ranting about the state of the world, and he's sort of waving a gun that he pulled out from his desk. This is going to be some weird, horrible manifesto about you know, manifest destiny and whatever nonsense in the et cetera, 21st century. Et cetera. This is my business. I can do what I want. Yep. Blah, 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 blah. So Cash expresses the intention to quit, uh, feeling that he's, you know, he's at his lowest. He's telling the CEO, I, I want out. I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. This is ruining my life. 
Uh, the CEO won't have it. He offers Cassius a new salary to continue his work. And the sheer number of zeros gives him pause, but he eventually leaves, quitting and going out into the increasingly chaotic riot-torn city in search of his ex-girlfriend. Yeah. So he looks at her old job, but the owner says he hasn't seen her since she quit. He tries to reach her on the phone, but the number is blocked. Uh, he tries to join the protests, but he's recognized and they assault him. They, mm-hmm. beat, they beat the shit out of him. Finally, he walks back to his house, which has been ransacked, and he answers a call on his phone. Sorry to bother you. Right. This, this is a tragedy. Yeah. That's, yeah. I don't, I don't see... That's an excellent the, way for that to, to play out. Sorry to bother you. You know, like, that would be, that would be an awesome joke, yeah. an awesome little hint of a, you know, bit of effort there. But I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, no, I appreciate that, it. That hit me very, that hit me in a weird spot. I like it. Yeah, I was, I, I sat there for, at my keyboard for probably like 15 minutes just trying to figure out how I wanted this to end because I didn't, I don't like the idea of this movie having a happy ending in no. the version that I'm looking at no. because, you know, it's not based on a true story. It's not like Wolf of Wall Street where it's yeah. just like, oh yeah, here's what actually happened to him. Yeah. You know, this is, this is a completely different animal and I'm really excited to see what it actually is. And like I said, neither of us have read any spoilers for this. No. Our friend Hal went on a rant about it that apparently it's a lot more partying and stuff than he expected. But I thought yeah. that was very obvious from the trailer, so I'm not going to consider that a spoiler. Yeah, he was he he brought up a couple issues with it, but he didn't go into detail simply because we asked him not to. Yeah, and that's a th- that's another thing we're going to try and focus on this podcast is try and do something that we haven't seen before, at least to the best of our ability, and try and draw our own conclusions from the basis level of introduction from these films, which is, which is movie trailers. And also avoiding, as much as we can, doing movies that are adaptations. Yes. So stuff like Pride and Prejudice, or like Much Ado About Nothing. Yeah, or, or like... remake after remake, because that's, <clears throat> that's today's Hollywood. Yeah, and well, it's, I mean, it's always, I mean, how many Robin Hood movies are there? Exactly, yeah. You know, I mean, I think that's always been the case, and that's something we need to be conscious of. And if you guys listening have any movies that you think, oh, this trailer sold a completely different movie yeah. than what we got, or <laughs> the trailer, the, the, this one trailer showed us literally everything. Uh, the one that comes to mind for me is the Jurassic World trailer, the second yes. one. Yes, or any Transformers film. Any Transformers film. Amazing Spider-Man 2 was very bad about this also for giving away the entire plot. Yes. I think that if I remember correctly what I was reading... It showed upwards of a half hour worth of footage if you watched all the trailers for Amazing Spider-Man 2. <laughs> oh my God. I never read like that. Like independent footage, which is absolutely ridiculous. That's crazy. That might be hyperbolic. Feel free to call me out. I will address it if that's the case. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're going to go off. We're going to watch Sorry to Bother You. I'm really looking forward to it. So oh, uh, yeah. any last words, Tanner? At least not right now. I'm sure I probably will whenever we get back. Sounds so. good. All right.